Psalm 16 is the, uh, called the, the golden psalm. It is the David's jewel, I guess they call it. It's also referred to as a notable song. Um, it's definitely a golden masterpiece, it really is, and a, what I call a precious jewel. It's a song worthy of singing uh, at any season or any event uh, to any group of people. Uh, You've got to remember the psalms or songs, and uh, Spurgeon called it the psalm of the precious secret, and I'm going to share with you why I believe that, why he said that in just a second. But it once pulled me out of the miry clay, it really did, and set my feet back on solid ground. Uh, it, so it kind of took me out of that self-pity that we every once in a while get into and, and be reminded of how blessed we are and what we have. So, so let's read it together and see why it's so special. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And it's not a long psalm, so we can read it all together. You can read it out loud with me if you would. I think that would be precious in the sight of, in the ears of the Lord today. Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thus said unto the Lord, Thou art my, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied, that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into them. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. And at that right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Just read with me again, verse 5, would you? The Lord is the portion of my inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my life. Father, thank you for your word. Even reading it right now touched my heart in a very special way of all the blessings that you have poured into my life through the years that I've tried to serve you. And I think of all these people here, Lord, that have tried to bless me and my wife and have done so, and they've done so greatly, Lord. And something I can take with me uh, to the next portion of my life uh, where I might find some hard things to go through, but I can always uh, count on you as being my cup, Lord. Uh, Fill me, Lord, with your spirit tonight. Allow me, Lord, to just uh, speak the blessings to your heart. And we'll just thank you for this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The occasion, I guess, of this psalm is, uh, is um, unclear, but most, most scholars think it, it, was, uh, it pertains to when David was fleeing from Saul uh, for his life, recorded in 1 Samuel uh, 23. We know that Saul pursued David. I mean, if you've read the Bible in, in back in Samuel, you'll see that. And where it seemed David's life was over. And yet David cries out, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot, he said. So we know God providentially delivered David because we, in hindsight, can look back. But, but what David said in verse 5 is worth repeating. 
the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. And so the Lord is, not the Lord was or the Lord will be, but right in the middle of all that was going on in his life, the Lord is present tense. Right in the middle of this crisis, he said, the Lord is the portion of his inheritance and the content of his cup. Uh, and, and he also added to that that the Lord maintained that. Um, these are powerful words for us to remember, especially during the holiday seasons, especially during the Easter season when, you know, when this nation right now is currently in a huge crisis. Uh, and I, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about a moral and spiritual collapse like this nation has never seen since its inception. Um, it's not good when you look out there. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of hope to look for, uh, especially when uh, the things that are being passed in government now are totally against what God desires. And New York, by the way, where I live, is right at, right at the top of it. Uh, it's at the cutting edge of everything immoral uh, and indecent. And David's words meant God was keeping his cup full even right in the middle of that and was maintaining it right through the crisis that he was in. And that just touches me. Uh, David referred to it inheriting the land of his forefathers. Now, uh, he would no doubt inherit land upon the death of his father, but that really wasn't that important to David at this moment. Why? Uh, because David felt probably his inheritance, he would not get that anyways because he was going to lose his life once Saul got a hold of him and killed him. So David was rather celebrating the inheritance he already had in his Lord. And we can all do that, right? It's so easy to lose hope when we get all caught up with all the fear-mongering going on out there right now in the world and all the liberal woke lunacy, I call it, that we're having to deal with today. But David wasn't letting that pull him down. He was actually putting his hope in the world, in, in the, uh, not in the world around him, but in uh, the world that uh, Jesus was offering him, that was coming to him. So and he said in verse 6, the lines are falling unto me in, in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. heritage. He's, he, what he's saying is he's acknowledging he was in a predicament, but not without hope. He still had a goodly heritage with a glorious home and a glorious, uh, gorgeous piece of property coming to him prepared by the Lord. And by the way, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you all have that. You know, you got, you got some uh, inheritance coming that's just beyond what you could imagine. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So David didn't have to be on the throne he was appointed to and promised to him. He was looking forward to something better than that, even in the caves where he was hiding from Saul. He already had right there in that cave all that he needed uh, for life. And I think about that. If, uh, if the Lord didn't let me live another day in this life, I've been so blessed so far up to this point, I can't even... I don't even know how to even explain it. So in other words, when David kept the world out of his mind and the prom promises of God's word in his heart, he was glad and he rejoiced. And that's the whole key to the whole process is keeping the Lord's word in your heart. And he rejoiced in the glory of God resting in that hope. And I believe with all my heart that this was the precious secret that Spurgeon was talking about. In other words, Jesus is everything you could ever want or hope for. Once you have him, you have everything, and you can go through anything with him. He keeps your heart glad and your heart resting in the promises, even going through the worst of circumstances. Uh, I preached a series uh, 
messages one time up home called Living in the Overflow. This is, where, this is one that came out of it. And we're supposed to be living in the overflow. Re- remember when you, saw the, uh, when you saw the light? How many remember when you first saw the light? I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, seeing the light is that moment you kind of step out of darkness and for the very first time you step into the light of Christ and you're seeing things that you never saw before. Uh, you, you see for the first time everything you were missing, everything God had waiting for you but you didn't, uh, you didn't have yet or didn't notice that you had yet. Everything you were searching for was found at that very moment that Christ found you and you took hold of him. Uh, that moment was the moment you saw the light. David was in the shadow of death when he said, For thou wilt not leave thy, my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Now, this, that's prophetic about Jesus. But remember, David wrote this, so, or said this. So even if Saul prevailed in killing him, David knew that God would not leave him in the grave. He wasn't going to leave him in the grave. He knew his Lord was coming for him. So the Holy Ghost, and I love this, inspired David to prophetically utter these words about his own plight that he was coming in, but he was actually uttering the words of Jesus about the Lord Jesus coming. Thy holy one would not see corruption. The body will die, and it will decompose, because of, uh, but because of Christ, the body we live in forever will be incorruptible. And with that hope and, uh, and assurance in mind, David turned his thoughts away from his death and back to life again. Uh, me and Jeff were talking this morning, your pastor, about it's hard, it's hard, I don't, it's hard when, when people get on the pity pot because we don't really have a whole, I don't feel a whole really good right now, even preaching with my body, you know. But I don't want you to feel sorry for me. You know, I'm just glad I got the opportunity to preach and got the opportunity to serve God with what, what I have in my body right now to do it with. He said in verse 11, Thou will show me the path of life, and in thy presence is the fullness of joy. And at that right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So Jesus is not only the way of eternal life, my friends, he's the blessed hope we're looking forward to. And his followers can overflow, think about this, with pleasures both now and forevermore. If you follow my ministry page, um, and I, I don't think, probably you don't even know about it, but I have a ministry page on Facebook and I wrote just recently, for, for the most part, I had been living a dream, fulfilling my calling for over 35 years. But like with all dreams, some don't end so well. And, and some people you thought you could trust turn against you. Some events you go through aren't what you expected or hoped for. But you can still live in the overflow. Life is not always easy, uh, nor is it always pleasurable to go through. But there is one thing I do because of the hope I have And it helps me every single day follow through in whatever God sends my way. Every morning, this is what I do, the first thing I look at is the cross and thank him. Every single morning. And by doing this, it changes my perspective for my entire day. Here's what I mean. It's at that moment that I look at the cross every morning that I'm reminded that in the day ahead of me, I don't deserve to be treated fairly. I don't deserve to be treated with kindness. I don't deserve to live in good health. I don't deserve uh, to have great wealth. I don't deserve to live without suffering or for myself. I'm reminded at that moment, I'm not entitled to any blessings or I'm not entitled to any rewards. The cross reminds me I'm not in any way deserving of peace or privileges, positions, uh, possessions, protection, or people's affection. 
I'm reminded that that moment, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus and, and him fulfilling his will for my life. And I love that thought. So it's when I look at the cross that I know that the day ahead of me is a gift of mercy just to live it, but a gift of grace to be able to live it for him. So this, this keeps my eyes off myself and onto him so I can enjoy the day I am in and the journey that I'm on, whatever, wherever that is and whatever, thing, whatever I'm going through, I'm going through it with him passing through this life. So this gives me every reason. Now, now listen carefully, everybody. This gives me every reason to love everyone, every day, and in every place that God sends me, and also to accept every struggle he decides to bring my way, never losing my love and hope in him, uh, nor my love and hope for the people I'm called to serve. Uh, me and, and Jeff and Pastor Crabb have always learned that it's always been, have always been taught and, and lived the life I hope I have done that anyways, that it's all about the people I serve. Not I serve Christ, but it's also about the people that he called me to serve while allowed to be here and to do it on his behalf. I was always the first one at church, the last one to leave church. I love it when we're here and we're, and we're intermingling and talking and about each other's lives because I don't have anything more important to do than, than, to, than to share with people. Uh, while I'm with people. That's what it's all about. Looking at him at the cross helps me not to get caught up in the, in the world that, that's cursed, right? And it's collapsing around us. Uh, but rather to get caught up into the loving, of his loving arms, the, ones that sa- the one that saved me, right? And surrounds me, secures me forever, and allows me to minister to him, to his people. The most wonderful thing about this psalm to me is the cup. I, I love this cup that sits here and says, yes, Lord, I'll share about that in a minute. But you can live this life with your cup full of yourself and your sorrows that might come with it. Or you can live it with your cup running over with the blessings of God. Um, Jesus can fill your cup with blessings no matter where you're at in life or what you've gone through or what you're going to go through or, what you, or, or maybe what's ahead of you that you don't even know that's coming. You may feel like your cup is too much to bear, but he is a God who is rich in mercy. And what he wants to do is he wants to fill your cup to overflowing with Christ. So Jesus paid your sin penalty by drinking our cup, right, to satisfy God's wrath against us. But he also drank it to give us a life that is beyond blessed uh, with a future that's very, very bright. Uh, The problem isn't God's willingness to bless us. It never has been that. The problem is so many people, including God's children, uh, don't know the blessings they're missing because of empty cups. And what I mean by that, the Bible tells us we have a heavenly father who wants to shower us with blessings, and he wants to do that both now and forever. Too many people, including many Christians, are content with cups that are either unclean or they're uh, unfilled or they're unused and nowhere near running over. In fact, a lot of Christian cups are just sitting on the shelf. You know, they come to church, and the rest of the week is just sitting on the shelf. That's all it is. So when David said in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over, God meant that for us today. Our cup needs to be running over. Herein lies the truth. God not only expects Christians to be living with their cups full, 
but he wants it to be living so that it's spilling all over. And by the way, this day, today I was having coffee. Uh, Jeff bought me a coffee. Your pastor caught me, uh, bought me a coffee. I was up in my apartment, and I just I went to drink it, and it just went down my new shirt all over my. And I got thinking, boy, yeah, I got the point, Lord. That's what I got to preach tonight. Running full, running over. Your cup was not made just to be filled. It was made to overflow. So in God's economy, think about this. The more we empty ourselves, as he did for us, right, the more God fills our cups. Do you all know what I'm talking about? The rate of overflow is in direct uh, response to the rate of our depletion. And here's what I mean. The Lord has made your cup in such a way that the more you empty it, the more the blessings will come your way and you'll receive from it. Think about the Bible, what the Bible says and what Jesus taught when he said, the more you give, what? The more you receive, right? Uh, the more you love, the more you'll be loved. The more friendly you are, the more friends you will have, and the friends that you'll have be more friendlier with you, right? The, uh, the more you bless others, the more others will bless you. Uh, boy, I learned that in a big way from Pastor Crab, and I think Brother Jeff has, and I've learned a lot of that from him too, from Brother Jeff. Is it, we're in this just to bless people with, however we can, whenever we can, because it's not about us; it's all about Him. And when we bless and we pour ourselves out into people or pour our finances into something that's going to help people, uh, God just says that's what I want, and in His, in his economy, He just pours it back in so much it overflows that you always have more than you need to do it. The question is, what's the, uh, what's the inside of your cup look like? Is it uh, unclean? Is it unfilled? Is it unused? Is your cup like a collector's item, right? Most of the time just sitting in a cupboard or on a shelf. Anybody here collect coffee cups? Because sometimes I look at having coffee cups on people's houses, and I think, that's a lot like Christians. You know, just up on the shelf, come to the church and, you know, get a blessing there, but then they don't take the blessing with them when they go out into the world. So when David said, my cup runneth over, God was showing us through him the symbolism of the cup that God wants for us, revealing to us. And I hear the three parts of the secret I believe that it's all about. I, I'm just telling you, I really believe this with all my heart. The first part of the secret is this. The portion of your cup is to be an overabundance of blessings. I really believe that. In other words, the portion of blessings you can have in Jesus Christ is far more than you can receive from this world. Far more and far more than you can use. The blessings I can achieve on my own are at best temporary and eventually valueless. They will one day run out. When God blesses, it's always more than we can use up, always. So whether you have little to give or much to give, God promises to make it abound to an overabundance if you'll just give it up for him. Give it away for him. Um, those who love to give, God loves to bless. I've learned that in a big way. He just loves, he's a, our God is a cheerful giver. He wants us to be a cheerful giver. And he loves when you give because our God is a very generous giver. So those that live in the overflow live in the abundance of blessings. They live to give for Jesus' sake. I remember Pastor Crabb saying, uh, how do you say that? Uh, uh, so you know where it's going. 
Give, give your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. He used to always say that. So the people who have those blessings, give the Jesus for Jesus' sake because they know it blesses God's heart. That's why I give. I mean, whatever I can, I give whatever I can because I know it blesses him. It may bless you, but, it, but I know that it brings great joy to my God's heart. The second part of the secret is this, right? The portion of your cup can be an, an overindulgence of joy. Uh, in other words, I could not be more happier than I am with Jesus. There's nothing out there that would make me happier. I think of that day when I'm going to meet him. I have great dreams of, of just what the song uh, we sung just the other day. He's going to lead me around the promise, you know, the heaven, or, or he's going to hug me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, I look forward to that. And I love the fact that I had the opportunity in this life to lead up to that point. And, and, I, and if I'm not a joyful person, I mean, I'm, who's going to want what I have? It's, uh, in other words, I could not be more happier than I am with Jesus. I'm almost giddy over it. Do you know what giddy means? Is that a New York word or is that a word down here too? Giddy? Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, he goes on after to say that, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That word cheerful has a sense of being getting. I, I was... Uh, just a few weeks ago, I went to my pastor. Uh, we're at a church, um, and you know him because he's been here, Pastor Horn. And his daughter, like he said, his daughter just bought that, that gentleman's and their wife's house. Um, but anyways, I went to his house a few weeks ago, and his grandson was there. That boy is kindred to, like, um, to Brother Burgess's son, precious son that comes here. And when I walked through the door and he saw me, he was giddy over my presence. In other words, in that wheel, he just, he just would shook you. It's almost like he was so happy to see me, he couldn't control his body emotions. And I want to tell you something. I can't tell you how much that blessed my heart. You know, that's the way people should feel about us. You know, when, when we, we come to them, they, they're just happy to see us, you know, because we have, we have something for them, and they see the joy that's in us. We bless God's heart when we're overexcited about his son and our, and our want to give, him, give to him and live for him. So when your focus changes, when you think about it, when your focus changes from the joy you have in Jesus Christ to the happiness you think you might need from this world, your cup begins to dry up. Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. He wants us to be joyful. He wants our joy to be full. Our cup should be running over with joy. It really should. We should be the most joyful people on planet Earth, even in the worst possible times of our life. We should be joyful facing the worst of circumstances. Because why? We have Jesus. He's the cup. He's filling our cup. Um, I couldn't live without being able to laugh. I, that night at Pam's house, I thought I was going to, I came home sicker than I, I'm telling you, I, my gut hurt everything. And we found, I found, I have found that same joy in every place I've gone to so far. Just we're always laughing. 
right, with the woods the other day out there, laughing around the table. Wasn't it fun? It was a lot of fun. But that's what God has called us to be and to do. I, I just couldn't live without being able to laugh and be a blessing to someone. Just being around God's people, it just creates joy in my heart. And it should, you should feel the same way. It should feel like Christmas morning to every time they're around us. It really should. Uh, one of the greatest compliments uh, a Christian can receive is when someone says to them, I just enjoy being around you. And know that Pat and I enjoy being around you all. We really do. So the overflowing cup is symbolic of an overabundance of blessings and an overindulgence of joy. And lastly, the final part of the secret is this. And you see it. You can see it in all, in all of these verses that are here. I don't even have to expound upon every verse. The other part portion is the overconsumption of satisfaction. He, his well never runs dry, but you have to drink at his well. That's the whole purpose. And when you drink at his well, you can't consume it all. Everything God is and God does is more than we deserve and more than we can consume. Um, in Psalm 36, 7 and 8, it says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly, it says, satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of pleasures. I'm reminded, every time I read that verse, I'm reminded of Thanksgiving. The food is always so good, there's always more than I can consume, but it never fails. I do my very best to eat what God provides and get uh, so stuffed that I can't move. You know, I think I can get more in there. And, to, and then I'm going home or I'm laying down and sleeping the rest of the afternoon. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. What to say? My cup runneth over. It just runs over. With Jesus Christ, my cup runs over with satisfaction. Just when I think I can't be blessed anymore. Just when I think I can't be blessed anymore, I got a, I got a wonderful wife, beautiful family, a supernatural savior that's just there on my behalf all the time, and then I get something like I got this morning, and I think, how do you, how do you just, how do you make that register in your heart, in your mind? That's because God is so good. My cup runs over with satisfaction. Just when I think I can't be any more blessed, the Lord pours out another blessing on me. So I may be under the weather physically, but I want to tell you spiritually, my heart is just so full and satisfied. I don't know how much more I could take of what he's given me. If your life does not overproduce um, a satisfaction that you cannot describe, you're drinking from the wrong cup. You know, that's the whole per per God wants you so satisfied with what he has given you in Jesus Christ that it will overflow onto others so much so that they actually feel more, that they actually feel more satisfied. Two things, and I'm through tonight, and I appreciate the opportunity, Brother Jeff, to, to give this message. Um, it's, it's a message that's special to my heart. Uh, it really is. It's really close to my heart. Um, is there such a thing as having an overblessed, overjoyed, and oversatisfied life? There sure is, and it's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you, you can have that cup today. And if you don't have Christ as your Savior, if you haven't repented of your sins and trusted him as your Savior, listen, you're missing out 
you're missing out on everything. Because none of those other three things, right? Joy, blessings, and satisf- satisfaction will never, you'll never achieve it in this life without him. You're always going to be looking for it in the wrong places, and it's always going to take you away from uh, your Lord and Savior. A decision to repent of your unbelief and receive him will bring the most satisfying life you could ever ask for. Secondly, is there such a thing as an overblessed, overjoyed, and oversatisfied Christian? And that's probably what I'm talking to, right? The choir? Is there? Yes. <laughs> I believe there sure is. It's the Christian who is to, is to live in the overflow of the cup's portion. Ephesians 3.20 says this, uh, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly what? Above all that we ask for or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Paul told the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10.21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You just can't do it. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the tables of devil devils. Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing here, but... He, in effect, is saying this. You cannot partake or or participate with the things of this world and expect to have the kind of fellowship God wants with you that overflows with blessings and joy and satisfaction because you'll be sadly disappointed with the results. So here's the appeal. You can live and drink out of the portion of the cup that the devil gives you and live your life unsettled, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and never really fully enjoying the life that God intended for you. Or you can live in the portion of the cup that Christ wants to give you by faith and live in the overflowing area of blessings and joy and satisfaction that God wants for you. It's really, it really comes down to you. That's all it comes down to. Do you wish to be living in the overflow? You can say yes to God and get far more than saying no, right? That's all it is. Just saying, yes, Lord, I want this church's cup here, obviously because I'm, you're special to our hearts, to spill over in this Green, Greenville area. I mean, so that when they come in this church, it feels like no other church they've ever been in. You know, you had two uh, two couples here this morning that were from Friendship Church uh, up in Rome, New York, and and they came in, and I said, "This is a good church, you know, for you, for you to be here." The, well, the one couple's going back, and she goes, "I think I can feel that when I came in here." I said, "The pastor's a lot of fun. The people are friendly." I said, "You couldn't ask for a better atmosphere than to be in a church here because the spirit of God is here in this church," and I believe that with all my heart. Little as much when God is in it, I want to tell you, God wants to get in it. And he's in this church, and let's invite God to get in it, right? Let's, let's invite him to get in your house. Let's let Jesus prove his faithfulness so that others can see and believe in him. And they're going to see that through the joy and, 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 the satis- and the satisfaction and the blessings that overflow from your life because he's got his hand on you. I'll share this and I'll close. Um, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, we, we were in Israel, and we went to many different places over there, and I can tell you a whole bunch of stories about what happened over there. It was amazing. But one of the things that always, uh, one of the events that really 
got a hold of me over there was the, the lady that took us around our guide. She was a Orthodox Jew, and she was a history teacher in the, in the school, in a college. I mean, this woman knew what she was talking about. And uh, I, so I said, well, here's a good time to find out what the yarmulke is about. You know, the, that's the little thing hat that they wear in the back of their head, and, and they call it kippah over there. So I said, what, what is that all about? You know, that she goes, you want, you want an honest answer? I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, we don't know. She said, we do it as tradition, but we don't have no idea how it started. But what I liked was what she said they think it represents. And she said, when they used to uh, sacrifice the, the, land, uh, the goats and stuff, then one day, and the, the sacrificial, all the sacrifices they used to give on the altar, they'd put their hand on them. And I got thinking about that. She said, it's because God has his hand on right, Israel. So that represents the palm of his hand in the back of their head. Now, you want to try something fun, Mom and Dad? Take your daughter or son when they're small. You can only do this when they're small. And put your hand on the back of their head. And then tell them to go that way, but turn their head the other way and see if they can go. That's God. That's an illustration that works perfectly. God, some, he's got his hand on those people, Israel, any Christian he's got his hand on, when you want to go the wrong way, he's right there twisting that head to go the other way, and you feel it. You know when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, and you know that when you're doing the wrong thing, and he just directs you into the right direction to follow the path that he wants you on. Do you know something? I believe God's got his hand on this church. And I believe that he's had his hand on this man, this pastor that you have for years. I've watched some of the things that he has accomplished in the world around the world and said, I wish, you know, I just wish that I could be a, a part of that and understand it a little better. Um, it's, I've watched great and huge blessings come out of that man's life. And you have him here as your pastor. And he's one of my, I asked him the other day if he'd be my best friend. I don't have any best friends, so I said, would you be my best friend? He said, get in line. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what your pastor said to me. Get in line. By the raised hand, who's willing right now tonight to say, Lord, I'm now ready to empty myself for you. So fill my cup in 2022. Anybody bold enough to do that? Get your hand right up there high. I, 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 Lord, I'm ready to empty myself for you so you can fill my cup in 2022. What a great God we serve, right? Keep those hands up wherever you go because they're always pointing up to him. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us.